Welcome back to The Variant Bros, issue number six, The Death of Doctor Strange. And in our third variant, we will cover the death of all superheroes in our state of today. But for now, Defenders Assemble with my Variant Brothers, L Charms. What up? Variant Brother, Young G. Does the sun go down? And Variant Brother, Mad D. It keeps getting better and better. All right, guys, before we dive into Doctor Strange, I will be asking the what if question. Our what if question today is, what would you use as your sole receptacle to let you live forever? I'll start first. I'm going to go with a Nokia phone because that way it'll never get destroyed and I'll get to live forever. L Charms, what would you use? I'm going to go with something no one ever uses anymore. The radio. I'm assuming it'll get like lost in time and you know still be there and then I can just come back from later. thought you were going to say fax machine, but okay. <laughs> ah, damn it. I should have gone with the fax machine. <laughs> Young G, what would you use for your sole receptacle? I'm going to go with the fax machine. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. It's cheating. No, I, it was on the table, so I oh, took it. It's not original. Just to be clear, we do not have a fax machine on the table. <laughs> Matt D, what would you use as your sole receptacle? I would say an Atari. Oh. Yeah. Dang, you know what I could have I should have said? The, the E.T. cartridges that got buried in the landfill. <laughs> oh, man. No one's ever going to find those. Yeah. Ooh, man. Next to the body of Jimmy Hoffa. All right, guys, we're going to be diving into the death of Doctor Strange. Guys, we're recording. Oh. <laughs> we're keeping that in. That's oh, yeah, all definitely, definitely. I'm going to boost that up. Code blue on Doctor Strange. Code blue on Doctor Strange. Spend Stephen Strange's last day on Earth with him in the death of Doctor Strange. Number one, we see him fulfill his duties as a doctor, a teacher, and a sorcerer supreme. All in one day, just to end his day to be greeted by death at the door. But who murdered Doctor Strange? And why are all the other dimensions invading Earth? And how is Young Strange back to help? You'll have to read these series to find out. Alright guys, thank you Elcharms for that summary. Now we're going to be going into our spoiler section for this comic. So if you don't want any spoilers, please jump ahead in the podcast or pick up the issue and come back and listen to us here. Alright guys, what did we like about this comic? Please, not everyone all at once. <laughs> I do like uh, right off the bat, it shows him like in his bed and in his entire room is like all messy. And that's how I picture, you know, doctors are, you know, like when they're, they're like geniuses and smart and all that, like meticulous. Yet in like in their lifestyle, it's like very messy, just like how their handwriting is, you know, when they're passing, you know, prescription or something. I'd like to take it further back to the cover. I really like the Scotty Young cover where he's uh, he's dead and a ghost and everyone's trying to console him. That was a pretty good cover. I really liked it. I also like the original cover too, like with the skull in the background and him like floating somewhat and with this beam shooting out of his hands. That's pretty dope. I really like the cover as well. Something that I liked from this comic, I do like the fact that we kind of get to see Strange's day, you know, and towards the end, he's kind of like, man... Oh, I'm so tired, but Doctor Strange can't be tired, you know? Like, I got to keep going, keep moving, you know? Like, at every single time of the day, you know, darkness is trying to take over the Earth, and he's the only thing that's holding it back. But it's okay. At the end, he gets put to rest. Uh, permanently. Permanent? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want to say the highlight to this one was actually Bats, the dog. The ghost dog that's trying to get Doctor Strange to go out on walks. Which I thought he was pretty cool. That was a definitely like a pick-me-up. He was a great comic relief. Yeah, another thing I want to add is I think his character in his like daytime, like doing a lot of stuff, being a surgeon, 
going to his what academy and teaching and you know saving the world i believe is like i don't know a bit cocky like oh yeah i'm doing this and this and this and this and that and you know dr strange needs to you know take care of the world and blah 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 it's like come on dude like relax you don't need to like do all this in one day you know like i said go on surgery trying to save the world trying to defeat bad guys trying to teach and you know that's just too much i mean that is the life of a superhero though trying to do all things at once how do you think he got all those gray hairs, you know? That's true. That's true. <laughs> but I do really like that this comic gives him back his ability to do surgery. I don't think I've seen a strange comic or anything like that actually give him back his ability to do surgery. Once after he has his accident, he's just a Sorcerer Supreme. So that was really kind of a nice touch. Kind of made it more, kind of gave you like more of a stab to the heart when it's like, oh, now he's dead. I mean, I haven't read a Doctor Strange comic before, so this will be my first one. But yeah, I do, I do know that about Doctor Strange based off the movie that he loses his ability to do surgery. And that's how he becomes a Sorcerer Supreme, because he's trying to find a way to heal his hands. Now that he has it all, it's kind of one of those, you're right, it's a heartbreaking moment because he finally has everything that he's wanted, or I guess everything that he could want at this moment. And he just dies at the end. Spoiler warning. I mean, <laughs> it's called the death of Dr. Strange. I know, but I got to put a spoiler warning there. Maybe like everyone did not expect him to die. Yeah, especially right off the bat. The, the first the very first issue, he's just killed off. That's what we think. All right, guys. What didn't we like about this comic book? Hold on. Let me get the list out. <laughs> <laughs> the story has no stakes. At the end of the day, he dies and then Young Strange comes back. And the cover teases that because they're teased, or I'm sorry, the Scotty Young cover teases that because in the Scotty Young cover, the Avengers are trying to console him on the cover, are trying to console him by saying, it's like, you know, no one really dies. It's just a pause for your character. And it's like, wow. He's, you know, they're taking shots at, at the whole characters don't die in comic books. I think it's sort of a misdirect, though, because if you guys listen to our Dark Ages pod, Doctor Strange is actually dead in that universe. So, I mean, you know, they've already killed Doctor Strange a couple of times recently. I, I haven't seen the What If episode, but I believe that he also dies in that one, too. No, he's not, he's not dead. He's just, like, cornered off in the section of his universe. His universe is dead, but he's not. Yet. Yeah, I mean, yet, yeah. Yeah. Another thing I didn't like, it was a half-hearted attempt for example, what I'm talking about being a half-hearted attempt is in the middle of the story, you get this whole scene where Doctor Strange is teaching some some kids like, oh, hey, I'm going to die and one of you guys will replace me only to be replaced by himself at the end. Just a younger version. It's one of those like, like what's, what's the point of him dying if he's just going to come back to life? I get the mm-hmm. whole misdirection and stuff, but let's be honest. If he's going to die, let him die. What if they kill him off again, though? And then we see uh, little Bobby, uh, Dormammu's son. I don't know his name. Doyle. Dormammu Doyle. Jr. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dormammu Jr., you know, kind of takes over. He takes, uh, I guess, takes over the cape and the eye of Agamotto. I think that would be very interesting, considering that he is Dormammu's son. Kind of piggybacking off El Charm's point in that, you know, basically the whole comic is basically everybody's like, you're going to die one day, Strange. You know, even uh, Bats the dog is like, hey, let's go for a walk. I'm dead, but, you know, you could still use the walk because you're human. You're alive. You're going to die. Then he goes, you know, to the school and he's like, I'm going to die one day and you guys are going to take over for me. And then, you know, just like everybody's constantly talking about death in this comic. So you do kind of see it like wait, 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 wait. he dies, right? I don't. OK, here, here's <laughs> I want to say yes, okay. he dies. But since a younger version of himself came back and we had that whole thing with the wizard who is definitely not Voldemort, but separated his soul, put it in an object mm. so he could live forever Heart and keep rocks. coming back. <laughs> 
basically Strange did the same thing. So technically he's well, dead, he, but he's not dead. He says he did something similar. That's why he's his younger self and not his present self. Maybe his younger self did it. So, but is that like going to like the dark force per se? Like cheating, you know, death. Obviously, yeah, like cheating death is always like, like a dark art. And even like uh, in the movie, you know, they made a big deal about the ancient one using the dark exactly. magics to extend her life. Mm-hmm. What do you think he put his soul? You know, what do you guys think he did to make sure that he comes back? I'm gonna go with eight tracks. He put it on an eight tracks tape. Ooh, nice, nice eight tracks. I'm gonna say. A rare Pokemon card. Oh. So somebody's oh, like obviously like always guarding it, you know, whatever. They, they, they put sense. it in like, like the plastic. Yeah. Like I'm going to say a fax machine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go original and say uh, crystal ball. Ooh. No one's going to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to drop it on accident though. <laughs> what if dropping it unleashes, you know, like the other strange? Oh, man. Yeah. Did dropping go. it always also kill him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. I mean, that's something interesting. I guess I, I'd want to know who, who killed him. But at the same time, I'm not aching to know who killed him. Yeah, I think that's one of the issues with this comic is that I was kind of expecting a more serious kind of thing. And then it just kind of turns into like a who done it at the end, you know, like even Mordo shows up and he's like, nobody can kill strange but me. And it's just like, all right, dude, like. Yeah. I wish he was exaggerating, but he, I think he actually does go. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a, at the end, kind of like a detective kind of vibe. Like, okay, who killed Doctor Strange? You know, yeah. like Knives the very... Out, the Doctor Strange story. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, let's wrap this up and uh, let's uh, give our ratings. L Charms? All right. So I'm just going to straight out say it. This one was trash for me. The story has no stakes. Nothing that happens in here made a difference because in the end, Doctor Strange comes back. It's long and it's not reader friendly. I mean, I felt it was way too long and I've been reading comic books for a while. You know, they separated out to two chapters. I could It could have just been one. Like, I don't even know why there was a separation of two chapters. And that was my last point. Two chapters. Why? Like, come on. Oh, no, I definitely agree. I got to the second chapter and I was like, what is this? And then it was like three pages long and I was like, what the heck? What? Okay. Spoilers. Like Mortal Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> Young G, how did you rate this? Yeah, for my take, I'd give it a, I'd give it a seven overall. Just more so because I'm interested in some characters, not so much Doctor Strange. I want to see if Doyle is like, you know, the next Doctor Strange. He, maybe he's like that relationship with Gohan where he has Goku, but as his father, but has Piccolo raise him. Maybe it's like that. Uh, Doyle has Domarmu as his father, and then he has Doctor Strange, you know, to really guide him. So I want to see what they do with that character. So I'm looking forward to the next one, but I give this one a seven okay wow nice nice and high uh mad d for me my opinion is it just shows like a typical day i guess for dr strange i guess it's super busy for a for a sorcerer (laughs) a lot of what's going on there's different you know scenes uh different dialogue a lot of dialogue i should say some is unnecessary other than that i didn't really enjoy the death of dr strange number one Mm, that's just my opinion towards the end of it was okay. It wasn't like a, a dramatic uh, death scene, I should say. And I was kind of disappointed in the end, you know. So that being said, I'm going to give it a Kawa bummer. Understandable. Understandable. As for myself, honestly, I'm going to go out and say it. I'm going to give this a D. After hearing Young G, I'm, I'm thinking maybe D+, plus, but I don't know. It's, it's still <laughs> a D for me. Like, I just, I'm the biggest Marvel person here on the podcast, and I could say that I did not enjoy this story as much as i thought i was going to um you know we saw the cover art death of dr strange i was expecting like a really interesting story and 
that's not what we ended up getting. I was really disappointed with just the way it went. He, like we said, he doesn't really die. His younger self comes back. The only thing that's interesting is like what Young Ji said about Dormammu's son being in Doctor Strange's academy and like getting taught by Strange to maybe one day be the Sorcerer Supreme. But there's a bunch of different, you know, mystic arts people. So there's not really a guarantee that he will become the next Doctor Supreme or the Sorcerer Supreme. I'm really glad we got to see Doctor Voodoo. He was a pretty cool character. That's interesting as well. But again, I'm not really that inclined to buy number two. I think I might buy number two just to hope that maybe there's something that I can hold on to. But yeah, I'm not really all that into this issue. All right. So this is the first time this has happened on the podcast where a majority of the table doesn't like the book or at least gives it a low rating. When that happens, we kind of have to decide, are we going to keep reviewing this one or are we going to change our minds? So I'm going to bring it up to the table. Are we going to keep reviewing this or are we dropping this? I want to drop it. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to you know, read it, continue reading it. I want to drop it. Yeah, I want to drop it too. I'm sorry, Young G. Majority vote. Let's pronounce my uh, pal, I guess. <laughs> yeah, tell us <laughs> all about Moving it. it to the pal. Yeah, we'll, we'll take it to the pal. And then if it gets good, then you know we might pick it back up in the future if it's a slow week or... <laughs> Like, even though it's like it's bad for us, it might be a good pick for you guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously we have different tastes, so you know, still give it a shot. And there's a lot of Doctor Strange content out there right now. Like I said, Strange Academy ties in very much with this book, and even the future ones. The Death of Doctor Strange, The Avengers is coming out as well. There's going to be some tie-ins with, like I said, Strange Academy and other Strange stories. So, do we want to make a prediction that they're going to be dropping Doctor Strange from the Marvel Universe after Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness? I don't want to say that they will drop him because, I mean, there's there's a lot of evidence for that. Like I said, in Dark Ages, he dies. In this one, he dies, quote unquote. Like I said, in the what if kind of thing, like he's evil and he's like, you know, the only thing holding his universe together. So, I mean, they've put him in a lot of perilous situations. But, you know, everybody so far in Marvel has kind of gotten like a either a one movie deal or a three movie deal. Nothing in the middle. So, you know, this is only his second movie. So maybe one more. Okay. And now we'll be moving on to our POW, our pick of the week. Eltrams, you're starting off this week. Awesome. My pick of the week or POW is The Nice House on the Lake. Issue number one by James Tinian, Alvaro Martinez Bueno, and Jordi Belair. How do you think the world will end? This is the one question that drives the first issue of this comic. We follow Ryan as she is invited, along with nine of her friends, to an extravagant lake house. Invited by the man who proposed this question, how will the world end? Only problem is, it is the end of the world, and he caused it. So what I really like about this one is, at the end, it leaves you wanting more. Like, I want to know what's going on. Not in the sense that I didn't know what was going on, but in the sense that you just get these reveals, you get this really great art, and you find out that that man is not really a man, but he's also not really a ghost. We don't know what he is. You're introduced to nine, ten different characters, but it does summarize the characters really well. You get these little uh, abstracts of, hey, this character is this person. This is what they do. Lastly, this is an apocalypse book, and I love it. And it's pretty hot. I had to pick up the third printing. Oh, wow. Another James Tinian. Yep. James Tinian for the win. All right. Young G, what about your pick of the week? So for my pal, I decided to go a little unconventional, a little exotic, Moon Knight. Issue number three, and uh, let me just say, Moon Knight is still holding its value. It gets better and better. In this issue, we get to see more of the second Moon Knight, Kanshu's other hand, per se. 
and seeing that uh, both Moon Knights kind of duke it out, having conflict of, you know, interests of how they're uh, portraying uh, Khonshu and how Mark Spector's protecting his goons and why the other Moon Knight character doesn't like it. But without saying much more, uh, we do see a really nice fight choreography. And for that, I'm going to give it a 10. Oh, spoiler alert. That was the only good comic I read this week. All right, Maddy, what's your pow? All right, my pick of the week is Hardware. Season number one, issue number one, Milestone Return DC. It's by Brandon Thomas, Danis Cohen, Bill Sinkowitz, Chris Sotomayor. Sorry, I apologize if I mispronounce their names. So this character is based off of Curtis McCaff. It starts off at a protest, Black Lives Matter. And apparently he didn't lock the gas canisters. And because of that, it kind of exploded against the crowd and some buildings. But it wasn't him. He was all set up. And now he's trying to go after the person that did it, which is his stepfather. And he's just trying to get to him. He shows like his armor. I believe it's like a plasma armor of some type. He has like some computer that he talks to, kind of like Iron Man status, you know, that type of stuff. He has like a rifle or a gun. And it's action packed, I should say. I kind of enjoyed it in the end. Again, he's going after his stepfather because... He set him up and he's just trying to find out like what's the reason why behind that story. So, Wow, sounds dark. All right, guys, for my pal, I'm going to do something a little unconventional, something that I don't really do. I picked a DC comic this week. Woo! All right. (laughs) Um, I picked picked Aquaman, the becoming number one. Ever since I got into comics, I've been trying to get my hands on an issue for Calderon. For all of you who don't know, he is Aqualad or, you know, mini Aquaman. I saw him on Young Justice. That's where his character was originally created. And then they created comic books off of that. So I've been trying to get my hands on one of those. And this is the first issue of the first storyline that they've had for this character since I got into comics. And it totally disappointed me. I was just heartbroken. This storyline is not great. Aquaman has to go to the moon for some reason. And in the meantime, Atlantis is attacked. Aqualag is blamed for it. I don't really know what this story is trying to do because he spends a lot of time on the surface talking to his mom or video chatting with other Titans. And then all of a sudden Atlantis is attacked and they think it was his fault. Like it's just, it's kind of like a messy story. The art is okay. I just, this is not exactly what I was expecting. It just, like I said, it really disappointed me. I don't know if I'm going to pick up the next one, which is how disappointed I am in this. It's not a good one, uh, unfortunately. Very lackluster. Are you saying our listeners shouldn't read this one? Is that this is the anti pick? This is an anti pick, at least for me. Maybe you guys will like it more, but this is definitely not it for me. It's not like so terrible that like you know it's unreadable. But I personally had higher expectations, and this is definitely not something that I enjoyed. Welcome to the club. All right, and now we will be moving on to our third variant, our state of today, where we will be discussing: Should we let comic book characters die? We all know that Batman, Superman, all those old school comic characters have been Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne for the past 80, 90 years. I think it's time that they hung up the cape. What do you guys think? I agree 100%. DC has rebooted its universe plenty of times. Each time they try to modernize their heroes, the fan base gets angry. Not because they're modernizing their heroes, but because they're putting their heroes in situations that the fan base doesn't agree with or just don't make sense for that particular hero. I kind of 
agree that we should let them pass on and pass their their capes and cowls to someone else. There is a TV show that did this at one point in the 90s of Batman Beyond. Bruce Wayne got too old to be Batman, has a heart attack during one of his night guardian quests. Vigilante? Vigilanteisms. Nightly vigilanteisms. And pulls a gun on one of the one of the thugs who he's trying to apprehend. And at that point, he decides, I can't be Batman anymore. I'm too old. Fast forward to 20 years later, or I think 30 years later, where he's 80, and Terry McGinnis picks up the cowl and... You know, he becomes a new Batman with Bruce Wayne's tutelage. So I think that was a great way to pass on that Batman persona to the next person. And I think we should see this in more comics instead of just rebooting and trying to modernize these heroes. I agree. Even with a lot of like the Marvel superheroes, you know, we've seen Jane Foster pick up the hammer for Thor. We've seen uh, Riri Williams pick up the Iron Man suit in place of Iron Man. And if not, we have Iron Lad, which uh, Mad D loves so much characters all over the place have been around for so long that there are some stories where they pass it along but then you know the universe gets rebooted because reason a reason b reason a reason b being money or um you know everybody's trying to jump onto the comic books they're like okay we have to reset the universe to start all over so personally i you know i got recently into comics so you know i kind of appreciated a new jumping on point but the series that i jumped on with was the Future State series, which, you know, none of the old superheroes are there anymore. You know, Wonder Woman, the new Wonder Woman is Yara Flor. She's a Brazilian Amazon and uh, she's kicking butt. The new Batman is Tim Fox. So that's pretty cool. The new Superman is Jonathan Kent, which is Clark Kent's son. Still related to Clark, but, you know, at least, you know, it's progressed. So that was something that I found very interesting. For me, I'm in between. I do... We all grew up to, you know, the characters that we grew up to, you know, like Peter Parker, Tony Stark, Bruce Banner, and all those people. I mean, we got to know them and we fell in love with them, you know, when we grew up. And if we say, you know, let them die, it's it's going to be hard, you know, it's tough. When it, come to, when it comes to like new characters, they're becoming younger and younger. These old characters are veteran characters. They're, you know, adults, you know, like mid-adults or young adults, you know, they're not teens and... That's something I do like as far as the not letting heroes die. It's more realistic having these teens, you know, roaming around and becoming new superheroes. I mean, I don't know. I'm into, in between, like I said, I don't know if I'm in like all favor, you know, as far as like having, you know, newer and newer heroes come in and, you know, leaving the old veterans out. You know, some of these veterans, they don't even have their own issue or a lot of people don't even know, you know, the character itself. For example, um, people don't know too much about, you know, She-Hulk or Miss Marvel, Ant-Man, you know, give them a chance, you know, to, you know, spread their wings. You know, we're just getting to know them just because we now see, you know, them in the movies and, you know, upcoming shows. But it's like if you want them, you know, to die off, you know, like you didn't even chance, you know, for some of the characters that are out there. That's part of the reason why I don't probably don't want to see, you know, heroes die off like that because they never got a chance to be on the spotlight. I'm also a bit undecided, more so for the Marvel scene, whereas the DC, I think they could probably do that right now. I think it's perfect timing, seeing how in our culture we have that MCU going on and, you know, the shows and movies. That alone, I think it's it's what's getting the new audience, the new kids and the old generation to like look and research more about these characters. Whereas DC, you know, their films aren't doing too well. I think if they probably remove some of the old characters, I think right now is a good 
like perfect time a perfect time for them to replace them and then try something new and dc as mentioned by l times they've done it before in the past and it's done very well where i feel marvel's kind of done it but it's not as popular as the way dc was doing it so i'm a bit undecided for marvel but for dc i think they should kind of just go with that of killing off their their veterans uh heroes with like classic characters of bruce wayne and clark what is it clark kent yeah <laughs> <laughs> just to jump on young g's point here for a while um dc actually used to do that back in the day with especially with like a character like the flash where we know jay garrick was the first like silver age flash and then he passed it on to barry allen and then there was like a 20 year period where barry allen was dead and wally west became like the main flash and that's the flash that a lot of people grew up with um nowadays you know it was the wally west flash but then they brought barry back out of the speed force and you know now it's like all three of them plus they're adding more constantly all the time but barry's still not old yet somehow <laughs> because the speedsters speed force. yeah speed the speedsters force. age at a slower rate even though everything else is faster about them but you know they age less because of the speed force and because obviously a higher metabolism means a slower you know aging yeah that makes so much sense a million percent sense yeah totally but then even with a character like batman you know batman was enabled to batman for a while so nightwing took over i think deathstroke took over at some point and then there's been a bunch of people who have been Batman, but it was revealed recently in um, a recent comic that, you know, maybe we will one day cover on here. So I don't want to spoil it. But Damian Wayne was actually Nightwing's Robin or, you know, basically mm. his when he was Batman, Damian was his Robin. So, you know, it's kind of like he went from Robin to Batman and he got himself his own Robin. Like, I thought that was really cool and interesting. And I didn't even know that. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. That's like it shows like a good relationship that they have. It just opens the door to so many opportunities. I feel like rehashing the universe every couple of years is just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's really annoying. Maybe that's just because I'm a historian and I'm like, okay, cool. I want to see like the whole timeline, you know, from A to B, not A to A1 and then we're going to go back to A and then, you know, like how many times do we have to live through the infinity arc? You know, like how many times do we have to go back and do all of that over again? Like I just want one con continuous universe where we come up with new storylines and I understand that that's not an easy thing to do, but I mean, you know, you've had... 80 to 90 years to you know make new content like i just feel like something needs to happen and then to to jump on matt d's point about people not giving superheroes a chance part of it i want to say it does make sense to try to keep these heroes but at the same time if they're not getting attention then they're not popular enough and they should move on from them what i would hate to see is now that they've killed off iron man in the mcu now that they've killed off captain america that somehow they come back and retake those mantles. That would just be a slap in the face because watching all those movies wouldn't matter anymore. And that's the point that I was making with the death of Doctor Strange. The comic book is called The Death of Doctor Strange. He dies for three pages. What's the point of reading the comic book at that point? We all knew he was going to come back, but really in the same comic, guys? Just like I said, slap to the face. I, I felt like I wasted my time reading that comic. Got to be a record of some sort to die and then come back three pages later. <laughs> I mean, I'm ho I want to see the, the next one where he like dies and comes back one page later. That'll be like trying to break records every day. And I mean, I know what we're asking is not really easy. You can't go to DC and be like, all right, look, I want to make a comic where Batman dies because you will be fired on the spot. <laughs> I guarantee you. So it's it's not an easy thing that we're asking, but it is kind of like a hopes and dreams kind of thing. And I don't necessarily mean they have to die, but I think what we kind of mean is that the heroes have to pass on. Tony Stark can't be young forever. He's not a speedster in the DC universe. 
Captain have a high metabolism. Yeah. That high metabolism. <laughs> I guess Captain America can be young for longer because of his his whole situation with the super soldier serum. But eventually, he's going to pass that on to somebody else. And I think that's where Marvel and DC are missing the the buck. There's a lot of, again, I've said this before, there's a lot of toxicity in the comic book community. Part of it has to do with modernizing comic books, putting new ideas, putting new issues, new world issues into these comic books. And people are saying, hey, no, this isn't the comic I grew up with. I want my old comic back. Well, the way we can fix that is you have Batman 1989 and Batman Future State, both dealing with two different topics and dealing with two different sets of ideologies moving forward. And obviously the people who are going to gravitate towards, you know, the older Batman series are going to like one version versus the people who are just up and coming and liking the new Batman series. We haven't been given a chance, and we say we as, as in the community here, the younger community, haven't been given a chance to grow up with any of these superheroes. Yeah, Young G, I'm sorry, Mad D says, we grew up with these superheroes. But they aren't our superheroes. They've been around way before our time, and they'll be around way after our time. On the plus side, I do like how, you know, these new characters and new heroes are, uh, are full of color, you know? Like, they're young, different backgrounds, different characteristics. Uh, for example, Riri Williams as Ironheart. You know, she's African-American, 15 years old, like a super smart engineer. And the reason why, you know, she, you know, kind of, like, took over... Uh, while Tony Stark was down because he was in the coma, supposedly. Because <clears throat> obviously she wanted to help. And, you know, because she was a super genius, just like Tony Stark, you know, she went ahead and upgraded Tony Stark's armor, which I do enjoy too. You know, that's pretty dope just because, you know, it kind of like relates to Tony Stark, obviously. Kind of like she took like the mantle a little bit. Obviously, the enemies and the audience recognized her when she, you know, she came out as Ironheart. And I, do like that like i said i'm not for against it i'm in between and that was pretty cool another uh young superhero is uh miss marvel uh i don't know how to pronounce her name kamala khan is it kamala khan kamala khan 16 years old pakistani uh american from new jersey different background totally different from you know the original miss marvel I haven't read her series but i'm definitely intrigued in reading her background story it's just a character that I want to read. So again, I'm in between. I do like the characters that are popping up. Obviously, they're way younger. They're in their teens compared to, you know, the uh, Tony Stark, like I said, Bruce Banner, um, Peter Parker. Well, Peter Parker was young, but he kind of looked older yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the comics. But compared to like Miles Morales, he was definitely like, a, well, like a middle school teen. So I, it's pros and cons, like I said. And the pros is that I do enjoy like how these new superheroes are from like different backgrounds. I think you hit on a really good point though. The the fact that you have newer heroes coming up gives us diversity and that's something that's been missing in comics for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Growing up we had, you know, Batman, Superman, luckily they weren't blonde hair, blue eyes, but <laughs> they were just, you know, not who we were. I mean, we we identified with them because they were cool and they were superheroes and they were men. And that's how we identified with them. But that's pretty much it. We identified on like a surface level. We didn't understand their struggles. And some their struggles are something we'll never understand. Like, ooh, poor me. I'm an orphan who's, you know, really, really rich. And I can, you know, afford to be Batman. It's one of those things that I'm like, eh, I can't really identify with him. I, I don't feel his, I don't feel their pain. And I don't feel their struggle. 
as opposed to if we had more superheroes that all of us could identify with, not just men and women as well, girls as well. I'm, I'm glad we have, you know, we're starting to get heroes of color, and that's really nice. That's something that's been missing for a long time in the comic books. All right, uh, one point, and then I have a question for all of you. Uh, one point I do want to make is that in favor of, like, I guess, keeping the old heroes around is that they do make a lot of money for Marvel and DC and everything. Um, you know, you slap, you know, Clark Kent's name on something and, you know, collector's item or, you know, especially Bruce Wayne or, you know, any of the old people, you know, in comics. Well, they're not old. They don't age. But, you know, like the they were introduced back in the day because a lot of the people who did grow up then have a lot of money now. <laughs> and uh, what they want is their old stories, you know, modernized or, you know, better art, you know, more interesting. So, I mean, in a way, these companies can't quite do away with them forever so there is that but one question i want to um expand this to what about super villains guys are we gonna are we uh, retiring joker are we retiring uh everybody definitely let's retire everybody i'll like, give me give me a whole new pantheon of villains and heroes yeah i would like to see like new villains that'll be pretty cool um you know who'll be stronger than you know thanos or like galactus you know who'll be the next big concho you know with these new youngsters. Uh, Did you like say the, the next big Conchu? <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I don't know if we can retire Conchu. He's like, what, a god, an eternal being? You can't retire someone like that. So, yeah, I would definitely like to see, you know, new villains. Yeah, same here. But I would like to see these villains being replaced by not so much like a, like an offspring, just someone who either, like, looked up to them. Because we see that story a lot where, you know, Batman's son became the new, or he's taking over and becoming the new Batman. I wouldn't, like, expect oh, Joker to have a kid and then his kid being, you know, the next Joker. I'd rather see someone who was inspired by the villain and then I guess learn from the villain more so than being an offspring. Or I'd like to see the the opposite, which is something we saw in The Incredibles, them being inspired by the hero, but because they can't be a hero themselves, it turns into a villain. Like there's so many possibilities out there. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot to go around and, you know, it just takes a little bit more creativity I know that Bane has a daughter uh, now because of Young G. He's really, I don't know if he's into that comic, if he read it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he's the one who I learned that from. I thought that that was pretty cool in the way that I was like, okay, how is she different? How is she the same? How can she like expand the lore, you know? And as we said, there is such a thing where, you know, like obviously Robin grew up into Nightwing, you know, the next Robin grew into Red Hood and then the next one even grew into Red Robin and stuff like that. There is like progression in between these characters but it's just like the mentors never seem to change like eventually we're gonna have damian wayne grow up to be batman next to bruce wayne being batman like that that shouldn't be a thing yeah these guys did a lot of growing what about bruce wayne he, he should be ancient by now that's what i'm saying like <laughs> it's just like these people are fighting crime alongside bruce wayne who should be well into his 50s or 60s by now and it's like okay great you know i you want to keep crime fighting Find a different way become a lawyer you know <laughs> like something sl slower like you can't be oh he's at his peak physical condition for 40 years for 40 years peak physical condition like that's just it blows my mind i will say something that you do you did bring up the fact that these guys make money the characters make money and they do honestly they do but the indie side rarely reuses characters we had an invincible run and that's it invincible didn't come back and he isn't coming back at least as far as i know thank god <laughs> <laughs> We have um, Radiant Black, completely new character. It's doing pretty well. You guys like Noctera? It's questionable, but you guys like Noctera? And it's definitely a new character. These are all original characters. 
Can I ask something? Because I'm not entirely sure about the history of this character. Uh, what about Spawn? Is Spawn always kind of like rebooting too? Or is he just... He he kind of is, but I don't want to give him a pass. Cause, but he kind of sort of gets a pass because he's already dead. Hmm. Okay. So so that the Spawn character is, is dead and the way he becomes Spawn is by being dead. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, but there have been characters that die in Spawn. For example, she spawned. We, this is the second iteration of she Spawn We have uh, she, the original she Spawn died recently in issue number 300, I believe. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So characters do die and stay dead. It happens. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think that's a great point that L charms makes is that, you know, indie comic books don't have this issue where they, have to keep rebooting and stuff like that. One could make the argument and say, oh, it's because they're not as popular. You know, they're not, you know, getting the cinematic universes right now as of this moment. They will be in the future, hopefully, because, you know, we do see a lot of those shows now popping up. But uh, so if the indie comics can do it, like I'm pretty sure the big wigs at uh, Marvel and DC can do it, too. All right, here's a question I wanted to bring up. So in regards to replacing a hero or letting him die out, what do you think of the idea of getting a hero and then just remasking them? So like in this in situation that I want to bring up is they got the Falcon and they go, okay, now you're Captain America. Mm. Does, does that benefit, I guess? Does that add more to the comics or would you rather just have, you know, a character and then just have the original Captain America per se die off and then a new one just arises? I don't mind a blending. I think it's pretty cool because Falcon does bring something that Captain America doesn't in flight. <laughs> um, sure, he's no super soldier, um, but I think that it adds like an interesting dimension. You know, I think that it's pretty cool to see like an evolution like that. Like, could you imagine a Doctor Strange mixed with Iron Man kind of thing? You know, like mystical, but also science and techie. Or, you know, like, well, I don't know. Reed Richards already has a son, so I guess. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. Just something like that. Like, you know, just like a combination of those two things. Like, I think that that, you know, can lead to pretty interesting different ways. Like, imagine, like, a, a Thor Hulk. Yeah, that'd be ridiculous. I'd have to agree there. I, I just want the mantles to be passed on. Mm-hmm. I don't want to keep reading about the same people doing the same things they'll do. And then the comic book audience getting upset because we've brought new issues into the comics. That's just what I don't want. What you're saying about the Falcon being the new Captain America, I think it was a good move. It was definitely either going to be him or Bucky. The comics have always showed us as Bucky, who becomes you know the next Captain yeah. America. But now we got the Falcon as the next Captain America. He does bring flight to the powerhouse of Captain America. So yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think it was a good move. One thing I just thought of as my Thor Hulk thing, like what if he's only worthy when he's angry? You know, like he's not <laughs> worthy as a person, but he's only worthy when he's... Come on, like, see, that took me... Five minutes. Come on, Marvel. <laughs> yeah, now they got to push that. Yeah, so. seriously. Now I'm going to be like, hey, where's your letter to Thor Hulk? <laughs> Folk. Folk. See, I even came up with a name. That was another five minutes right there. Nah, I'm kidding. Making comics is Marvel, easy. Marvel, come me a check. <laughs> nah, making comics definitely is not easy. For me, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with the rest of my bros. Yeah, uh, great example of uh, Falcon being uh, Captain America. Yeah, Falcon becoming that, that that's a good uh, transition. I do like that. And again, you know, there are great transitions. And some of the things I'm probably like kind of scared or nervous about is like when they transition to a new character, what if that character doesn't turn out to be great, you know, mm-hmm. as, you know, the original. And that's something like maybe, you know, Marvel is scared of, you know, testing the waters. But like I said, there are like great examples like Riri Williams, like I said, Miss Marvel, Miles Morales, they're all, you know, were great. But, you know, not all will be, you know, grade eight apples, you know what I'm saying? So Yeah, but not all the original heroes were also grade eight apples too. Like there's 
characters that haven't had stories in years. Like, when was the last time we saw Namor in a comic book? When was the last time we Dark saw... Ages. He was in there? Yeah, remember? Cause, uh, Dude, that was a bad example, man. I look, <laughs> I look bad now. <laughs> Wasn't he coming with the part of the movie, too? Yeah, he's coming up with the movies, but that's the thing. It's like, if with they the can... rights and stuff like that, like it, it gets sketchy. That's why there hasn't been like X-Men comics for a while until you know Marvel got them back from Fox. Mm-hmm. That's why they didn't have any like Fantastic Four comics or anything either, just because like, you know, the rights and everything like that. Like Marvel was like, why are we going to make comic books about somebody else's property? So they didn't do that. But I mean, it is a valid point. Two things that I want to say before is um, with the Falcon as Captain America, like, you know, instead of when he throws a shield, instead of it coming back to him, you know, because he's not a super soldier and he can like communicate with his little Falcon guy, you know, like what if he gets him, <laughs> tells him to bring the shield back, you know, I don't I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> Red Wing, fetch Red the shield. <laughs> because, yeah, in the comics, you know, he used to be able to telepathically communicate with him. I don't know if that's still the case, but, you know, I think that's pretty interesting. Going back to what Matt D was saying about, like, what were saying? transition, like, what if, you know, the new character doesn't turn out to be so great? Um, right um miles morales and um all these and riri williams especially they weren't really well received when they first came out either there was like a lot of backlash and you know it it took a while for them to become accepted and nowadays a lot of people accept miles not as many people accept riri and i'm not sure about kamala khan to be honest um i think it's pretty much a mixed bag but you know once you start pushing somebody or you know eventually people will grab onto them I do believe that maybe if we did clear out the Bruce Waynes, the Tony Starks, the Steve Rogerses, that'll make room for more people like the Jennifer Walters, like the Kamala Khans to, you know, rise up and take their place. Also with these uh, new heroes, I'm going to go back and circle to, you know, diversity. Again, we have new characters rising and one of them that kind of pops in my head is uh, Crush from Crush and Lobo. She is a young hero. She was from Teen Titans. Her background, you know, she is a lesbian and that's something totally different that you don't get, you know, from the original hero's uh, storyline. I kind of do like that because, you know, that's something that that's happening nowadays. It's becoming more exposed uh, as compared to, you know, back in the days where it was just confined and it wasn't in any of the comics per se. That's pretty cool and down to earth. And uh, nowadays, you know, in commercials, you see that not just, you know, being a lesbian but also you know color also you know your physical appearance so i do really like that how they you know relate that to you know um what's happening in the real world you know this is real and this is um, something that should be exposed you know to all all kinds of audience out there yeah i definitely agree um even someone like calderon who i was just uh in my comic book he's also um I'm not sure if he's bi or if he's gay, but, you know, I definitely know that in the show Young Justice, he did have a crush on a girl in season one. And then in season three, you see him with his male partner, you know, at least there he's bi. But in the comic books, I'm not sure if he's just gay or if he's bi as well. But even Miles Morales, I think, is bi. So I think that it's very important to tell these stories because that is a reflection of who we are. You know, that's everybody's like that. And comics have always been political whether some people agree to it or not. It's just the way that things have always gone. The more exposure, the better. The fact that we have these in our comics now, it just kind of shows how much we've grown as a society. I mean, before we didn't have these things in comic books. We didn't have, you know, people of color in comic books. We didn't have uh, LGBTQ in comic books. And now the fact that we have these things, it's kind of, I want to say it's making comic books better. It gives us a door where we can tell more stories, where more people can relate 
to be honest, the philosophy here is read more comics. And the reason we say that is because there's a comic out there for you. You might not find it on your first time, but there's definitely a comic out there for you. And just having, you know, all these representations just makes it much more accessible to everybody. Yeah, um, with that, with diversity, as I was saying, then there's representation. Um, I don't, I'm not entirely sure if Crush necessarily replaces Lobo altogether. And that's an example of a hero dying off and then getting a new one. But in this situation, it's a perfect example where we have, uh, I guess, like a classic hero in Lobo or villain, excuse me. He's being brought back, but in a new look, in a new form uh, as his daughter. So... I think that's benefiting, you know, the idea of diversity and having representation in comic books because it does it very well. All right, guys, that'll wrap it up for our issue number six. Join us next time for Deathstroke Inc. number one and the state of today on cloning characters. Please follow us on all socials. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Variant Bros. And be sure to visit our website at VariantBros.com. I'm the professor and everything is fine. Hope you get lucky. Moon Knight. I remember my first grail. <laughs>